everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome, welcome. Jen Hatmaker here, your very happy host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. We're in a series right now called For the Love of Faith Icons, and we are talking to men and women who have served us and taught us and ministered to us and led us for decades. And they've pioneered and they've plowed up ground where there was no path that a bunch of us are now walking on. So today is so special. It is so special. You lucky listeners. My guest today is someone that I had the immense privilege to get to know a few years ago in my work as a speaker. And I guess it would have been 2015. Um, I got this phone call and they said, Jen, we want to know if you are interested in joining the last season, the farewell tour of Women of Faith. <laughs> Well, okay. If you have not been around women of faith, women of faith is iconic. And those women did something that had never been done. And they opened up a whole new space um, that I now live and work in. And so I was so overwhelmed and intimidated and incredibly flattered and just freaked out. And so that is when I met Patsy and Thelma and Lucy and Marilyn and just this whole incredible women of faith crew of all these women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I toured with them for a whole year. And it was honestly one of the highlights of my life. And I could talk, I could start talking about that and talk about it for 25 hours and never quit all the things that shenanigans, they're so ornery, they're so naughty and just hilarious and wild. And, oh, they loved me well and they served me well. So, okay. Okay. I'm blathering because today we have one of them. Patsy Claremont is on the show today and talk about a master communicator. I'm serious. Like, I, I've sat in many arenas now with Patsy and listened to her talk. And it's like being in a masterclass. Like, this is how you do it, Jen. I was constantly learning from her. Um, golly, she's good. She's been doing this for decades, speaking to crowds across the globe. She's written almost 40 books. She has reached millions of people during the course of her speaking and writing career. And... She really too, I mean, we're going to talk about the things she overcame to be in that place. Like she's, she really suffered and is a testament to what it looks like to overcome. So she'll talk really candidly about that today. I cannot wait for you to spend time with her today. If you have never heard Patsy, if you've never been in a room with her, if you've never sat under her teaching, you're going to be delighted and charmed today. Okay. Just mark my words. And I, I told her after we finished recording, I'm like, Patsy, that conversation was packed. And it was, it was absolutely packed with instruction and counsel and advice and goodness. And I mean, just buckle up because you are lucky that you are here today. So she is so incredibly dear to me. So please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful, the delightful Patsy Claremont. Well, it is my, it is just my great delight to welcome you to the show, Patsy. I love you so much. Hi, and good morning. Good morning, <laughs> and I love you back all over the place. Oh, I just feel so lucky to be sitting here in my office talking to you this morning. I um, You just mean so much to me, and we'll get into it, but I'm so grateful that you said yes to this. I really, really wanted you in the series. And so I've told my listeners a lot about sort of your the arc of your work and your ministry. Um, of course, tons of us have followed you for so, so long. You've just been such a, such a bright spot, 
um, for a long time, which is really saying something that you have managed to serve, well, all of us so well and for so long with encouragement and wisdom. I'm just, I'm, we are grateful people. So I'm curious right off the bat, before we dig into some other stuff, I would love to hear what are you doing right now? Like tell, talk about the season of life that you're in this minute and what is exciting for you and what is inspiring you and what feel, where is the wind at your back right now? Well, first of all, thank you, Jen, for your warm and kind words. I have been around the block several times, yes. been in ministry for 40 years. Yep. So I've seen and met a lot of people along the way, which has really enriched my journey yes. and helped me to personally develop and grow. Mm. And so that's been an exciting aspect of it. Today, I have the pure delight and privilege of being able to invest into other people yeah as they move through their journey. So mm. I'm doing quite a bit of cheerleading. Yes. Uh, I, uh, some people call it coaching. Um, I am not a credentialed coach, but I'm a very experienced journeyer. Yes, you are. And what I do is I, I try to help people get a hold of their story. Mm. Um, and the reason I do that is it's so important First of all, for personal therapy, mm. uh, the more we're able to take a hold of our own story, mm. the more we're able to be authentic and to enter each day with a sense of who we are in this now moment mm. as we're still developing. Mm. And I believe there's never a point as long as there's breath in your body and one brain cell mm. that's still hopping along that we cannot continue to grow and to learn. Mm. I love that. I've learned that from you for years. Um, and I've watched you open up whole new channels and start whole new projects and um, teach in completely new and innovative ways. And it's inspired me so much that there is really no such thing as a rut or there's no such thing as stuck or there's no such thing as too late. Um, and I, you have modeled and mentored that for me and so many of us. I'm curious what your coaching looks like. Like, what does that look like in, in practical terms? How are you coaching people and kind of what is the format for, for this sort of piece of your work? Well, we're doing it in sections of uh, four visits online. Mm. And uh, we start with a full uh, interview uh, pages that people fill out to give me a head start so we don't have to mm -hmm. delay things by getting to know each other. But I can take what I've already figured out from what they've written and move forward mm. from there. I think forward is such an important part of our journey. Mm. And so are, are people coming to you primarily to coach them as um, speakers and storytellers? Does it look like coaching toward writing and print and publishing? I also know you have an entire branch of art. Does, does some of it look like art self-expression or is it all the above? Well, it's really all of the above because what I uh, encourage them to do is to identify their gifts mm. because there's a reason that God gave them to us and it yes. wasn't to allow them to sit in the corner packaged up. Mm. He wants us to unwrap the gift because the gift is not only valuable now, but I believe it has an eternal legacy. I believe that gift will be operational when we step into the presence of Christ. So um, that gift is a powerful force because it was designed by an eternal God who has our best interest in mind. So when we function in it, it lifts our ability, it upgrades our internal 
dialogue and it promotes in us the best we can offer. Great. Oh, I cannot agree more. Oh, I, that's, you're, you're beating a drum that I love to beat also. And there is such abundant life inside that realm, inside the realm of, of giftedness and empowered sort of talent that everyone has. That's not just for a few people. That's all of us. We're just endowed with so much, so many unique things to bring to bear on earth. But man, putting that yes on the table and moving into that space, it's hard to put a price tag on it because it is, uh, I, I mean, I can only speak personally, but for me, that's just when I felt like a, a, a spark to life. And I went, oh, that, this, this is what it feels like to do what I was made to do and to yes, do it in God's I, power. Yeah. I love that idea of that's where the spark is and that's where the affirmation comes. You're in your gift when that joy rises yeah. up in you and what you're doing. Yes. And I tell people, you can take a test for your gifts, but the best way to identify them is to look back over your life and ask yourself, what have other people told you consecutively all yes. your life with one not knowing the other one had said it about what you do well? Because often what we do well is so natural to us because it's a gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't think it up. It was there, placed in us by the Lord, that we don't always consider it a gift. We think, oh, that I've always done that. Oh, yes. that old thing. When in actuality, when you understand that it's your privilege to carry this gift and that it's more than you know, it's more expansive mm. than you can believe, that's when it gives you uh, the freedom to explore it and to own it. Mm, I couldn't, couldn't possibly agree more. So question, when's the last time you slowed down to check in with your mental health? Maybe you've been feeling stuck and think, oh, I really should go talk to someone, but finding the right person, it seems so daunting and your schedule is so busy. The time does not materialize on your calendar, but you know what? Help can now come to you thanks to BetterHelp Counseling. So BetterHelp can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online so you can get help whenever and wherever you need it. You can talk to your counselor via phone, text, chat, video, however it's convenient for you. And your sessions are, of course, absolutely private and secure. And if you don't connect with your counselor, you can easily switch to a new one at no charge at all. I am a huge advocate for counseling and BetterHelp is a really convenient, affordable way to find the help you need today. This is a brave choice and they're giving my listeners 10% off their first month with the code for the love. So just go to betterhelp.com slash for the love and then use the code for the love and get started right now. Okay, everybody back to the show. So let's go back just a hair because, well, you have written just an, an astonishing amount of books. It's almost 40, right? Am I right on that? Yes. Well, it's definitely over 30 and that's all I, I stopped <laughs> counting uh, yes. because I thought surely I didn't have that much to say, but I, I did. I just go on and on. So do I. I remember about after my maybe eighth book, I, I said definitively, and I meant it. I was being genuine and I told somebody, well, that's it. I, I, I'm done being a writer because I don't know anything else. I've said everything I know and there isn't anything else to say. And then somehow miracle, I found more words. So I want to ask you this. Um, because you and I just, we share this, we love words. We do. And so I'm curious how the love of words and reading and literature and books found you. Like, when did this start for you? 
It found me in desperation. It found me at the darkest hour in the most difficult place uh, when I was hanging on by a thread emotionally and mentally. And it began to feed me the reading of good literature, the taking in of words, the delight and privilege of dancing with the writers in the um, desperation of my life. I didn't know I could find joy in words and the way that they were said, uh, that there were certain writers that spoke to my need and spoke in uh, my language. And that was thrilling to me. And I loved books so much. I opened a little bookstore in my home because I wasn't able to uh, function outside in the real world uh, at that point. And so I started a little bookstore in my home so I could read the books before anybody bought them. Mm. Now, the limitation to that is you can't eat peanut butter while you're reading. You get it on the pages and then there goes your sales. (laughs) But um, I was... uh, uh, able to begin a journey with words through desperation for answers. Because when you get desperate enough, you listen better. I wonder if I could ask you, you've been really open about that. I, um, uh, with your life and with your story and what you've wrestled through. And, um, I've heard you speak about it just with such candor and just sincerity. And it's, it meant a lot to me to hear you tell the truth. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that to my listeners who maybe haven't heard it just about uh, the, just the, the really difficult season of your life, particularly as you just sort of alluded to, as you grappled with agoraphobia. Um, Cause it's hard for us to, to connect the Patsy that we know and love now with that Patsy, um, who was, couldn't even go to the grocery store. And so I wonder if you could talk about that time in your life just a little bit, um, maybe what brought you into that place. And then ultimately we started bringing you out of it. Well, I had no boundaries in my life as a, uh, a young person. I was a rebellious uh, child, and that rebellion just doesn't happen. It's usually created out of a reaction to pain. Sure. And uh, I entered into um, the rigors of life with an abandon that set me up for trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a reason that boundaries are good to have. They help protect us. Now, if we're not careful, we build walls Mm -hmm. and then that isolates Mm -hmm. us. This thing about balance, it's a lifetime opportunity for employment, let me tell you. And so one minute minute you've got to write and the next minute you've stepped over some line. But uh, along the way, I was... um, a high school dropout and a teenage runaway. And I was married by the time I was 17. And Les and I had uh, been around each other for uh, just a matter of a few weeks uh, before we actually married. We never had a date until our wedding night. We lived 600 miles apart. So um, the opportunity wasn't there. We would have taken it. And he was as uh, rebellious and boundaryless Mm. as I was. Uh, And so um, we were really a a disconnect trying to find connection. We identified with each other's weaknesses, but we failed to realize that's what we were going to live with unless somebody changed. And gratefully, both of us um, found some answers and hope, but it began a long, hard journey. Mm. I married Les right after I turned 17. He had just turned 18. Uh, so to say we had a lot of maturity between us would be ridiculous. Right. Um, and we, But we had tremendous insecurity that each of us brought in. 
and we uh, came in with uh, these packages of neediness and I needed someone who would protect mm. me and he needed someone to protect. Uh. He was brought up in a violent home yes. and his uh, mother was very abused by his father and his longing was to protect her mm. and he was too little. Uh. So he grew up with a need to protect someone and I came along needing yeah. protection. So that's kind of what drew us to each other initially. And um, we married, and uh, when I was 20, I gave birth to our first child. And after giving birth, I um, went into a depression, and from the depression came anxiety attacks. And from the anxiety attacks, I... Uh, moved into agoraphobia. It does not have to be that way. If you're having anxiety attacks, don't think the next step mm. is agoraphobia. Right. I just didn't realize what steps of wellness look like. Mm. So I didn't have uh, resources available right. to me at that time. I didn't even know my condition had a name. Mm. And wow. I fanned the flames of my fear by giving in to sure. it. And that that's one of the things I tell people who are struggling. You have a choice what you think about. Your mind, you're able to change channels. Scripture speaks of it as learning how to set your mind. Your mind can be changed and set so that you are not tormented or encouraged to indulge your weakness or your insecurities. Mm. I, uh, I really appreciate you saying that, that our, our minds and our thoughts are powerful. And to a huge degree, we have control over them. We, we really do have this empowered way to sort of move through that anxiety. Is that how you, how did you, how'd you grab a hold of that runaway train? How did you, um, what was it? What were the lifelines sent to you or that you grabbed onto that ultimately pulled you kind of out of the mire? Well, it started with books and reading. So we're back to that thing about words yep. and how did you gain a passion for them? My passion for words came out of the fact that God gave me hope mm. through um, the books people had written and then also through God's word, which began uh, to give me counsel. One of the names of our God is wonderful counselor. Yes. And he began uh, to speak to me through the scriptures, but I didn't know always how to make the application. Mm. And so um, someone I was talking to on the phone recommended someone else for me to talk to on the phone who became my friend and for that season of my life, um, a mentor. Mm. And she began giving me help, like um, just listening to me, yes. praying for me, reading scripture over me, and encouraging me to listen to um, radio broadcasts mm. that would uplift my spirit. You know, we have such a choice in life, and we have so many great resources available to us. Yes. I just signed up for a, um, a new Bible program called Dwell, uh -huh. um, where uh, there's different readers from all over the world, and uh, they read the scriptures, mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I love uh, how that stabilizes me and directs me for the day. Oh, how wonderful. Okay, I will link to that, everybody listening, if you would like to hear more, discover more about that. What a great idea. So it's so interesting because now, of course, fast forward a few decades, and 
you've literally been speaking to people all over the world. And you have met now, it's so funny to come from such sort of a, a, a small sort of inhibited space because you have now met people from literally every walk of life. I, I can't imagine a type of person that you have not um, loved or served or ministered to or met in some way. And so I'm curious, and it's it, there's a, probably a billion answers to this, but what have you learned from so much travel? I mean, oh my goodness. Like if, if you, could you even try to imagine how many flights you have been on, um, what you, from your travels that you maybe wouldn't have learned if you never found your way out of that house all those years ago? Um, what, what is it that has meant the most to you in this huge scope of humanity that you have now had access to um, in a million different settings and settings in a million different cities? Well, I would have to say having community has been extremely important to me. And when you travel all the time, you have to be so deliberate about it because you start to have disconnects at the community you've had and known in your home territory. And suddenly you're out and about and there's a disconnect when you come back. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very deliberate in gathering your people or places. Facing yes. yourself in the midst of others who love you and know you and uh, will have your best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. So I guess some of the things that I've learned, like when I was with Women of Faith and I was with him for the 20 yeah. years that we ministered as a team, mm-hmm. the team became um the community for me. It became church. It became the people who spoke into my life. And one of those, Lucy Swindoll, uh, made me think in ways that expanded my territory mentally Mm. and helped me to understand that rather than thinking about Uh, how threatening it was to go out all over the world, what a joy it was, and all the things I'd learn, and all the stories I could collect. Mm. And uh, I had never seen it in that way. And that really opened up new uh, passageways for me, so to speak. So when they said, we'd like you to go to Africa, Um, I have to say my first answer was heavens no, right. um, because that was uh, my natural defense sure. mechanism. Of course. But my husband said to me, Patsy, I am realizing that I have too many disabilities yeah. to ever make that trip. Would you go for me? Wow. Gosh. Well, you just can't say no to that. No. No, you cannot. And so I went and it was a glorious trip. Five flights to get there. The last one by a bush pilot (laughs) that I think was about 17 years old. And she said to us before we took out, why don't we pray? And I didn't know if exactly why she was doing that, but they couldn't even put the luggage on the same plane with us uh, because we were so heavy. We were enough load. They had to drive the luggage in, but we um, landed on a a dirt path with a herd of elephants waiting for us. It just was so far out of my comfort zone and something I will treasure all the days of my life. But Lucy not only opened me up to that, I can remember um, one night we, uh, I left a door open in Africa that allowed the rain to come in and soak my journal. And I just felt like it was ruined. And Lucy said, bring me that journal. And I took it to her and it was all warped. from the moisture and she said isn't this wonderful and I looked at her like she was crazy and she said you'll never be able to look at this without remembering the night the rains came you'll be able to hold this and feel the excitement and the thrill of having been there and what you saw will all come back to you 
And I, I just, uh, it really helped you to be around people who have a different way of looking at things yeah. than you do to help you open up more mm. uh, to the pure thrill of being alive. Mm. Gosh, Lucy really is one of the greats in that regard, isn't she? I, she is. Just one of the greats. I am thinking about... Um, so for everybody listening, uh, if you are unfamiliar with Lucy Swindoll, she is just a real force of nature. We're lucky to share a planet space with her. I was in her house one time and that was before I understood what journaling meant to her also. I know it means so much to you and it means so much to her. And when she showed me shelf after shelf after shelf of the most beautiful journals you've ever seen in your life, she's written virtually every day of her life. Isn't that right? Yes, she writes every day. Yes. And if you have a question, right. uh, if she was in your vicinity and you have a question about what you were doing, ask her. She'll look it up. Yeah. It's like a library of history <laughs> and full of art. She's just so special. She's meant so much to me also. Please raise your hand if you love bra shopping. <laughs> okay hard pass. So thank goodness and three cheers for third love who has made for us bra shopping that is quick and painless. And you don't even have to leave your house, which, you know, that's the way I want to live my life. So third love has used data points generated by millions of women to create more than 80 cup sizes. You got, you guys, 80, eight, zero, including half cup sizes to help you finally find your perfect fit. Their bras are the most comfortable I've ever worn. They have, well, memory foam cups, which are nice, but their straps are the greatest. They don't slip. They don't pinch. And Third Love also stands by their perfect fit promise. So they give you 60 days to wear your new bra. And if you don't love it, you can send it back and get a full refund and they will wash it and donate that bra to a woman in need, which I love Win, win, win. So third love knows that there really is a perfect bra for everyone. It exists. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love right now to finally find your perfect fitting bra and you'll get 15% off your entire first purchase. So it's third love dot com slash for the love for 15% off your first order today. All right, guys, back to our show. Um, I want to go back um, to, to a little bit of something you were saying earlier, because we were talking about how a great deal of your work is very intentionally and even formally at this point, investing in other people, in other men and women, in their in their gifts and talents and in their communication. Um, I, I would love for you to speak to those of us listening who are, it's time for us to take up the mantle of investment and investing in, in our peers and investing in our neighbors and communities, maybe in investing in the generation behind us. And for some reason, this is a stumbling block for a lot of us. Um, I don't know if it's because we feel inadequate or we feel um, unprepared. I don't know if it's that we have some inflated idea of what mentorship is supposed to look like as if we've uh, solved all the problems and we're no longer human. Um, maybe it's time. Um, but for, for those of us who are really curious and interested and in what does it look like to, to be a really good friend, to be a really good neighbor, to invest in the people that God has sent to us and around us. Um, how would you advise us to start that engine if we've got some hangups here? 
I would say, first of all, don't be up in people's faces telling them what to do, but tell them what you've done that's made a difference because they are looking for hope. That's why your story matters. Your story matters because they want to know, how did you survive that difficult marriage? How did you survive that sickness of your child? How did you survive? They want to know because they're looking for hope for their own story. So uh, you have more to say than you could imagine that would be of great value to someone. Uh, But you need to say it in ways that people can receive it. And they usually are open if you start with, well, what I went through was this, and these are some of the things that helped me make the journey through it. Uh, I'm asked all the time about what's the most valuable thing you learned in your agoraphobia. Mm. And I, I tell them that I learned that God has given us a will that's stronger than our emotions. Mm. And even mm. when we have lots of feels, we can choose to do the right thing. And our feelings will eventually, maybe not immediately, but catch up with our choice that we made. Uh, I love that. I, I think those are the types of things. And keep your ears open for the best of what others are saying mm-hmm. so that when someone is stuck in a way you haven't experienced, you can relate to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard so-and-so mm-hmm. say this. It could be of help in some way. So um, make it uh, not that you're the expert, because none of us have all the answers. And there's never a point we don't need to learn something new, um, or we don't need to grow more, or we don't need to apologize. And a kind goes a long way, a long way. Lucy used to tell me that all the time. I love a kind person. And I used to think in my earlier days, uh, why does she always say that? Mm. Today, I understand fully kind goes a long way. It sure does. Golly, we're we're starving for it right now. Just we've got a culture starved for some ordinary human kindness that doesn't look spectacular or over the top necessarily or newsworthy. It's just this, the stuff of everyday life and kindness matters. And it, 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 it finds its way into these lonely spaces where almost nothing else can. I, 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 um, couldn't agree with you more on that. And I can even look at my experience and, some of the big grand gestures that people have made for me or toward me while lovely haven't had the same impact as my memories of little, small, kind moments that just cut through the malay, just managed to go minister straight to my heart. Um, and we have that power every day. I mean, literally every day to just bring ordinary kindness to the people that we love and that we work with and that we live by and that we live with. Um, so you said, you know, Lucy said, I love kind people. I do too. I also love funny people, which, you know, um, you know, you know this, but, um, for everybody listening, I attended what I think was, and I could be a little bit fuzzy on the year. But I think I attended either the first, the very first, or the second season of Women of the Women of Faith Tour. Um, I think it was 1997. And I remember I was in Tulsa and we were at a big arena in Tulsa, and you were there with the team. And I just didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know who you guys were. And I'd never been to a lady conference. And I thought, well, this is going to be terrible. I mean, I really did. (laughs) I had to go because Brandon was the youth pastor at our church and our church was sending a whole van full of women or whatever. And then of course, I mean, I remember where I was sitting in the arena and I had never ever heard women talk like you guys talked. First of all, everybody was like comedian level funny. 
So I did not expect that. Um, there was a whole bit on mammograms and I honestly think I wet my pants and it was so funny and entertaining. So first of all, I didn't know that I didn't know Christian women could do that. I didn't know that we could bring our humor to bear. I didn't realize that was allowed. I thought we only had to be incredibly, you know, just sort of academic and um, sober-minded. I didn't realize that funny was possible. And so that was the first thing. And then, of course, I did not expect for you specifically, but the whole team to talk so candidly about your stories. It was so vulnerable. I mean, it was all in there. Depression, it was, everything was in the mix. And all all you and the team talked about so many sorrows and sufferings that we all have, but we were tucking those away. I didn't, those weren't fit for human consumption. I didn't know that. And so way back then, and I was, I think I was 22. I might've been 23 tops. Um, You set an example for me at the very, very beginning of my adult life that has since obviously completely informed my own work, my own ministry, the way that I serve, the way that I love and communicate and write and speak. And that means so much to me. So I want to talk about the humor part because to me, this is one of your tip top gifts. I mean, you were just, you had to have been born this way because nobody can be as funny as you are. It just, it's just a gift to be as just naturally hilarious as you are in a room. Can you talk about when did you find out you were funny? When did you know that you could use that? Um, when did you put that into rotation as part of your work? Um, and what has humor ultimately over the course of your life how has it served you? How, how has that, how, how, and why is humor such a huge piece of the equation still? Well, humor has been extremely important to me because I've needed so badly to laugh. I knew how to cry. I knew how to feel sad. I knew how to uh, despise myself. I knew those things well. So when laughter came back to me, I had been addicted uh, to a number of things. And one was um, uh, prescription drugs. I was on four tranquilizers a day. When I weaned myself off of those, One day, I heard myself laugh. I had not Hmm. heard that sound come out of my body for several years. And when I heard it, I thought, oh, my goodness, that was me. And I laughed. Hmm. And there was something about the laughter that allowed some joy to seep in. Uh, There is something so healthy and medicinal about laughter. It clears your brain. It releases tension. It makes you feel friendlier toward yourself and toward other people. Hmm. Um, Laughter is such an important thing for my mental health, my emotional well-being, and my relational connections. I love to enter a room and see the audience sitting there fairly detached one Mm. from another because I know in a few moments music Mm. is going to make them friendlier and then laughter from the speakers is going to make them instant friends. It'll be a positive emotion that strangers are sharing together opening up the possibility for connection, for friendship. I love that. It is a gift we offer our people because it opens them up not only to people around them, but it also opens them up to what's being said in a way that they may not have initially received it. Hmm. And, And so it is a great I don't know, I hate to use the word tool, but it is a great uh, gift and softener of the human heart and the natural 
defense mechanisms that we have inside us to make space for some grace and receiving um, storytelling and uh, insights that cause us to laugh also helps us to learn. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. It's my favorite way to learn. Um, It is the most reliable way for anyone else, any teacher of any sort to break through my defenses. Um, Because, which is why you see, we both see so many times women in a room with us who go from laughter to tears in about 30 seconds. It does. It opens us up to feel and to listen and to learn. I, let me ask you this, because just just here in the course of our conversation, you just you're so open uh, about who you are, the things that you've conquered, what you struggled through, um, and I and you just drop it in. It's so honest. And so I'm thinking about the woman listening, who has so many, maybe similar things, maybe, maybe addictions, uh, maybe of any kind of substance. It could be, um, fear or depression, anxiety, or a complete different battery of sorrows and struggles, but she is pretending she is that she is lonely inside of that, um, pain. She is, that's not something that she feels, confident enough to, to say out loud or to invite community into, or even just one friend into vulnerability is scary. Um, and so I wonder what you could tell us about what you've learned about that process of being vulnerable, because you've stood on stages in front of 20,000 people and said the most vulnerable things I've ever heard. Um, what have you learned about that? And how would you instruct those of us who still feel like we may be living inside a prison um, of pretend? Uh, I- First of all, I would say you can be too vulnerable and you can be too vulnerable too quickly and make yourself a victim. Um, Mm. So uh, making sure that you've done your own business uh, before the Lord and with yourself and possibly and hopefully with wise ears and a caring heart to help guide you through and get uh, the perspective that's going to be in your best interest. That's great. That's when you've done your business that what other people um, decide about what you're saying is their business and you don't have to take it on whether it's positive or negative. That's not easy because we tend to absorb other people's opinions as if they're bottom line. And uh, the truth is that only bottom line is the Lord. And when he speaks, we need to listen. It's sort of like a mama who loves her child and, and says, don't touch the stove. And the yes. child touches the stove. I'm thinking of my own uh, firstborn, Marty. He was uh, at uh, the stove and it had a glass window in it that got very hot when the oven was on and he was reaching for that glass and I I was running for him and I was calling out the entire run don't touch the glass and yeah. he looked at me smirked and put his hand against yep. that uh, little window we do that. And what happens yeah. is you're going to get burned. Um, and so we have to learn that uh, many boundaries are put there uh, for our safety. But when boundaries become walls, then they separate us from people. And people uh, were part of God's plan. Uh, and being able to interact with them in healthy ways was part of God's plan for us. Yes. And learning how to have social skills. Not all of us are as natural, Jen, as you are at being able to um, have that charismatic part of our personality that charms the heart of people. Well, we have to learn 
skills that work that are uh, in our best interest and the best interest of others. And yes. certainly one of the guidelines for that is kindness, uh, the way we speak to another person and the way they speak to us. If it's hostile, if it's um, uh, if it tears and rips at your at your very soul, then you need to step back and away and put up a wall in that area, build a barrier, take refuge in the Lord. Uh, but um, it isn't any person who speaks truth to you, because many times right. truth comes as a gift, and it can even come as a gift from an enemy. Isn't that great? Mm. I remember. Isn't that great? <laughs> I remember years ago, a gal invited me to join her at a restaurant for coffee. I was delighted because I could never quite get this gal, and I ran into her constantly at church, and I thought, this is a good thing. We're going to uh, be able to build a relationship that yeah. is more like two grown-up people should have. And mm -hmm. so I met her, and uh, she had a stack of books with her, and she leaned across the table, and she said, who do you think you are mm -hmm. that you would want to stand before other people when you've been such a failure. Now, wow. uh, if I had had any sense of um, maturity, I would have got up and left. But instead, I let her bear down on me for almost two hours. Wow. By the time I got home, I was in shreds. My husband could not believe that I did not stand up take my lunch and go home. Uh, but instead, I, I, I was so taken back. I was so unprepared. And I didn't know what to do with all of what she was saying. And uh, so I, I would say to others, it's really important you know who to open up your vulnerability yes. to and who yes. it is not safe with. A hundred percent. Because it can be very damaging to your psyche. So uh, if you've had someone that's hurt you deeply, um, mm. receive some counsel for that. Get that worked out so you know what to do in the future. Do not uh, isolate yourself. We were not meant uh, to do life alone. Um, mm. one of the things that I've gone back to again and again is something Marilyn Meberg said to me that, uh, really captured the essence of what I knew, but I'd never heard it said so well. And that is emotions don't have brains. Yes. So you <laughs> cannot build all your relationships on your feelings. You need to have brains involved uh, and emotions don't have those. And so mm. if all you have is emotions, you have a riotous life that's hard to yes. contain. So we yes. need to be uh, smart. Uh, we need to have a certain level of wellness and self-awareness. And uh, we need to um, have the uh, guide guidance of kindness uh, in our interactions with others. If kindness isn't there, we need to go home and ask why. What is mm. it, this relationship that I, I am not kind, it, whether it is in my external um, actions mm. or my mm -hmm. internal actions? Am mm. I jealous? Does she make me mm. feel insecure? That's my issue, not hers. You can get so much personal information that can lead to individual growth if we will look at it that way. And this is Absolutely. why I say get a hold of your story. Uh, whether you want to write it for a book, write it for therapy, write it for your identity, write it for legacy for your family. And then if it's in God's plan, write it for ministry. Mm, I love it.
I love that's the greatest advice. I want to ask you one last question before we kind of wrap it up here. Um, you wrote something on Twitter the other day. I love that you're on Twitter. Please never leave it. <laughs> you, you redeem Twitter for, for me on the regular. Um, you wrote, you said one of my 2020 priorities is to ask the Lord to make space inside of me for the changes inside of others. And I thought about that for days. Um, can you talk more about that? Well, I think that as a well-seasoned believer, which is just a sweet way of saying, boy, am I old, uh, <laughs> that you can forget what God saved you out of. You can forget yeah. the condition of your own heart and you can get pedestaled into a place of believing you're above certain things, which is foolishness and sets us up for a great fall. And where we're rescued is in the mercy of Christ. When you can remember your worst day, your worst thought, your worst yep. choice, and how God rescued you out of that, how he redeemed it for purposes beyond belief, to teach you sensitivity. He will use the worst of the worst for the best of the best. He That's will right. take that awful thing and he will teach you all sorts of counsel. Ask him to give you the counsel out of your own experiences because that's where you will be able to uh, speak to another person with the greatest sense of believability mm. when it comes mm. out of where you've been and what you've experienced. But may we be people of mercy. The world yeah. doesn't need one more critic, one more right. judge, or mm. one more know-it-all. That's right. We need to be grace-filled, kind, spirit-directed lovers of people. I have um, a dog that is really out of control, and I got her that way. And um, all of my friends who experience her say, boy, you so deserve that dog. And uh, so I try not to take it too personally, but, uh, but I do see a great deal of my willful self in her. And I went into my vet for some regular care for the dog. And uh, the doctor, the vet said to me, Patsy, I cannot believe this animal. When you first brought her here, in my mind, I thought, no hope. This <laughs> animal hmm. is beyond hope. And uh, now she's like a whole new animal. I can't believe the change in her. To which I said to him, love makes a difference for all of us. Love changes us. Love makes it safe to be a better version of who we were intended to be. Hmm. And uh, I really believe that with all of my heart, God has put people in my life to love on me in ways I didn't know how to extend to other people. I don't want to ever forget that. Me neither. Hey guys, Jen breaking in for just a second here. We're obviously starting a new decade. So I am trying to be really kind to myself and the sort of intentions that I am setting for this next season of life. But I'll tell you this for sure. I'm done shaming myself. So that a hundred percent includes how I approach food. I want to be healthy. That is it. As I turn into this new decade and this new year, I just want to be healthy. And so there's an app that has been such a helper in getting me to a place of really good, genuine self-care. 
It's called Noom. You've heard me talk about it several times. That's N-O-O-M. And they help take anxiety and shame and guilt and fear and all that stuff out of food. It was a real relief for me to have Noom to refer to as I tried to pay attention to what I did and why. And you can trust them because they they base their whole program on psychology. It's really different. And so when you go to the site, you're also, you're assigned a goal specialist and he or she helps determine what works best for you. So what's great is it literally only takes 10 minutes a day to stick to the plan. That's it. 10 minutes. Noom has a special trial offer just for our listeners. So if you visit Noom, and remember that's N-O-O-M, Noom.com slash for the love, you can start your trial today. So it's Noom.com slash for the love. Okay, you guys, back to our show. the last little bit I want to ask you. These are just three quick questions. I'm asking everybody in the Faith Icons series these questions. So just kind of top of your head. The first one probably has a lot of answers, so you can just pick one. Who is one of your biggest mentors in the faith? Uh, Florence Littower was the first one that took me under her wing and saw something in me that others had missed. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard her name in a while. She is in her 90s now and still sending me love notes. Is she? Yes. Oh, that's so great. Um, How about this? If you could ask God a a question, maybe a single question at this point, um, do you have one? What would you ask? What would I ask God? I would... uh... Well, I think the obvious would be to say something like, why do children have to suffer? But there isn't an answer that would satisfy uh, that in me because I'm limited by my humanity. Um, I would probably uh, ask him, uh, this is really self-centered, Lord, what will I be doing when I get to heaven? I like that. I'm curious. I am too. I'm curious too. I, I like that answer. I think that's great. Here's the last one. This is actually a question we ask every guest in every series as a final ask. I actually got it from Barbara Brown Taylor. I don't know if you've ever met her, but she is just a phenomenal faith leader. Um, and this is, so this question belongs to her, but you can answer it however you want. So this can be just as tender and sincere as the day is long, or it can be absolutely absurd. So it's up to you. Um, but the question is what is saving your life right now? Uh, that obnoxious little puppy that I adore (laughs) and, um, the spirit within my husband that keeps him moving forward with, um, so many obstacles in his way and he's still telling crummy jokes and he sings a lot (laughs) i saw the video of you two throwing rings on each other's reindeer hats um (laughs) just a couple of weeks ago and i just chuckled how many years have you and les been married well in july it will be 58 (laughs) it's amazing and that's what it comes down to, throwing rings on reindeer yeah. antlers. That's it. I mean, <laughs> that's what keeps a marriage strong. That'll get you to 60 for sure. Um, I want to tell you, um, and I've told you this before, but I want to say it again, um, how very much you you have meant to me and you still mean to me. And one thing that my listeners won't ever know is the depths to which you cared for me and loved me and mentored me in a really, really dark season where everything felt so low and so lost and so confusing. And I didn't know who my um, friends in faith were or 
I didn't know where to go. And I am telling you with all sincerity, the words that you spoke to me, the many, many times you put your hands on me and loved me and prayed for me and hugged me and held me close and held me fast. Um, I'll never forget it. And you ministered to me when I needed it. And so that's not something that public eyes ever saw. It wasn't you, that was private. That's who you are. And that's who you've always been. And that season of being in ministry with you and in partnership with you and under your wing will go down as one of the greatest gifts of my entire life. I know it. I don't even know what's to come in my life yet, but I already know that's way up there at the top. And so I want to thank you for the ways that you have loved me and served me and served my generation and taught us. And, um, it's just my, I'm such a lucky thing to know you and to be your friend. And so thank you for being who you are. Thank you for all that you have brought to bear in our generation. And the, the mark that you leave is so precious and so vast and so really unknowable. It'll just be fun to think about it together in heaven one day, just to see how far it went. I don't even think we will never know. We'll just never know, but I love you dearly. And I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for being on the show today. I do love you. I do love you. I told you, isn't she just the cat's meow? (laughs) Oh, she's such a joy. And what I love about Patsy is that this fun, fiery woman that you see and know and love on a stage in front of tens of thousands of people, she is just the most sincere and genuine person. She is exactly the same behind the scenes as she is in front of people. She is the real deal and she lives her faith beautifully. Her witness has meant so much to me and I love her. I mean, I love her. So over at jenhatmaker.com, we will have not only the transcript, if you'd like to see this entire interview written out, for cut and pasting or just review. It's always there for you, but we will link to her social media accounts and all of her, golly, all of her books. Well, at least a bunch of them. I mean, my goodness. Um, and her website, some of you may be interested in her coaching. Uh, so we'll make sure you have all that in hand. That's at jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast tab and, um, happy to bring her to you guys. This whole faith icon series is just lit up. There is so much more to come. Oh my goodness. I have had the greatest conversations with the greatest leaders. I'm pumped to bring you this entire series. Um, So glad to be with you on behalf of um, Laura, our producer and her amazing staff. And then of course, Amanda and I, we love you. We love to serve you. We love bringing this podcast week in and week out. And we appreciate your loyalty and your subscriptions and your comments and your reviews and your ratings. All of that matters to us. None of it is lost on us. And we are so thankful. So if you love this episode, share it. grab the link and put it on your socials. Share the love of Patsy Claremont. Okay, guys, more to come next week. See you then. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.